gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Junkie Nation? Hope you all had a nice weekend. Monday, October 3rd, ready to talk some MMA with you. Lots to discuss because three big orgs were in action this past weekend. So let's talk about it, right? UFC, Bellator, and one championship. Heck, we got to even give some love to Invict FC. They had a show midweek as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll give you some results. We're going to give you lots of results, and we're going to talk about some of the latest news nuggets in combat sports. Because as Guz pointed out to me, we've had some boxing junkie stories up on the on the site lately, and wrestling junkies. So you know, if it's somehow pertains to MMA, meaning an MMA notable or fighter is involved in another form of combat, we're there. Like big Ben Rothwell over at Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships. We'll, we'll touch on him as well. All right, folks, buckle up. Hey, goes. I can't think of a better way to start the show than to talk about Big Ben Rothwell. I know the UFC kind of moves the needle in our sport, but, you know, every time Big Ben Rothwell fights, if I'm around junkies personally you know in person or just maybe rummage you know moving around through the internet social media they all point to how cool ben was he hung out with us multiple times during our 2000 week during our uh, 2000 show you know the, the the junkie gathering week that we had years ago remember he popped into the studio a couple times and then he also partied with us in that suite we had at mandalay bay and it, it happens, dude, and and it, it never fails. I mean, he really, really made an impression on a bunch of fans. Yeah, he's a fun fighter, just kind of like a cool dude. And when you think about it, heavyweights have a, a, a longer lifespan in combat sports, but his is going on almost ridiculous. You know, like some of the organizations he's fought before, people haven't even heard of. And um, and he's done it at a consistent level where you don't feel like um, kind of like with Andre Arlovsky where you go, man, any any second now, any of these could be his last. Uh, ben still kind of competes. He's he's a tough out, and he looked pretty good at BKFC. He looked in shape. He looked tough, considering he was pretty heavy. He smashed. <laughs> um. He was joking around on Facebook today. He goes, well, here's the highlight, but it's basically the whole fight. And, yeah, he just went out there and lit his opponent up. Great debut for him. He's got that bare-knuckle look as well. And, like he said, wrestling really tears you up in in training camps, you know, mostly. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He loves Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But he didn't really have to worry about that. It was just basically strength and conditioning, polishing up the boxing. Kicks don't matter. None of that's the judo tosses, defending Greco. Nope. It was just throwing hands. And boy, did he come through. Yeah, that's a good win for him. Um, and in and out, you know, like one of the things that people worry so much about BKFC is that damage that you take. Even in a victory, you know, you're walking out of there with some pretty nasty cuts and swelling. Uh, he was just in and out, you know, probably got a decent paycheck. And uh, he's ready to, to do it again. I mean, that, that's good, especially at this point in his career. Yeah. And so I'll get one other one out of the uh, out of the way real quick. Uh, here are some just quick results from Invicta. They had a show midweek. And in the main event, Jillian DeCourcy defeated Jessica Delboni. That was a title fight for the Adam Waite title. So congrats to her. But there were a few other names that you all remember Hannah Guy took a loss. Pollyanna Botello took a win. She beat Helen Peralta, who took the loss in that fight. Um, so, again, midweek, it's fun to watch, just like Dana White Contender Series. There you go. Bare knuckle, Invicta, out of the way. 
one championship they had. Well, did you have anything to say on Invicta or you want to move on? Uh, just uh, I was thinking about this a uh, couple of weeks ago. Um, we talked about Ben Rothwell and like his lifespan. Boy, Shannon Knapp has been like a huge part of, of mixed martial arts community and the mm-hmm. reason why it's still here. She's like one of those pillars that people don't really talk about too often. But if you look at her contributions to the sport, she's done a lot, not just for the females, but for the males as well. And her show still still brings it. You know, it's still a fun show. Yeah. She not only had contributions this past Wednesday or let me see, what was the 28th? Yeah, Wednesday. Um, she had contributions the Wednesday before. She's actually one of the ladies featured in our September 21st video. Because a lot of people yeah. were asking me, who is that? And it's unfortunate because, like Go said, she's a major contributor to our sport. She's the president of Invicta Fighting Championships. But that's her towards uh, the end of the song. So thank you to her for participating. And you know what goes? Another thing, too, Adam Weight. You know, I'm always saying, why are the featherweights in women's MMA, like in the UFC? Just the UFC. I don't have a problem with them in Bellator. But in the UFC, there's only like five of them, I think. And just, you know, there's a champion that also is looking to retire, and, and she's more focused on 135. It's just a, a big mess, right? But there's a lot of atom weights that I think they could do something really, really cool. One championship had a, a Grand Prix about a year ago. And so I think between them and Invicta, you have something there. And if the UFC wants to open that up, I am all in. Now, if PFL wants to get rid of their lightweights, because I think a lot of them could make featherweight, hell, a lot of them could even make bantamweight. Then, sure. But you need, man, you need at least 10 to 15 just to get it started. They, they literally only have five. Yeah, and you want them to be quality, right? You just don't want them to take up space. So they have to be good. I think it'd be easier to get uh, atom weights than it would be featherweights. But, but you're right. If for some reason... Uh, PFL was just over it. It would help, but I just don't know that. I don't know that the interest is there. Yeah. You know, I bring this up a lot, but people think I'm full of shit, but they have Amanda Nunes as the champ, Norma Dumont, who just beat Danielle Wolf. By the way, Danielle Wolf, professional boxer, 1 0 in MMA, Dana White Contender Series. She's the name I kept using to compare Bo Nickel when Dana White would say, Well, she's only 1 0. What are we supposed to do? Well, you know, She's in the UFC, coming from Dana White Contender Series. So she's the other one. Then there's uh, Ali Perez, I believe her name is. She fought Zara Farron in Paris. Zara Farron is the other one. And Ramona Pasquale. That's it. <laughs> Macy mm-hmm. Chasson, I guess, is really listed. More. She had been like competing more as a bantamweight than, than featherweight, even though she won the featherweight tough season. And then Aspen Ladd was primarily a bantamweight who competed once at featherweight but if you want to throw them in there i guess we're up to eight but it, it's mm-hmm. just i don't know but adam weight adam weight i think would be i think they could kick that off and have at least 20 females ready to go and a few of them very very popular including jessica penne i think she'd give it one more run although who knows but she was supposed to compete this past weekend at ufc and she didn't um michelle watterson maybe would be another one Shout out to Elise Anderson. I think she'd get in there and mix it up. Steph, Stamp Fairtex. Who knows if one championships would even say, yeah, cool, we're in. But they did trade once with the UFC. Let's not forget Ben Askren versus Demetrius Johnson. So anything's on the table, in my opinion. Man, Jessica Penny is just absolutely snake bitten, right? The things that happened to her in her career. Yeah, for sure. She uh, said she showed up on fight week sick already. And uh she thought she could power through but the doctors would not let her compete so she's about 40 years old and i remember she took a lot of time off because she was battling usada she got a four-year sentence reduced but still a couple years went out the window uh, you know hopefully she can come back and cash a few checks or whatever but all right we move on speaking of one championship one championship had the back-to-back shows they had one championship 161 and that was followed by uh one on prime Two Zhang versus Lee. Three. <laughs> you got to be careful the way I say that. Now, one name that I'm familiar with is Tiffany Teo, who got a win at one championship 161. 
I'll move on after that because the other names I didn't really recognize too much. So we move to one on Prime Video 2, Zhang versus Li 3. These, these two ladies in the main event have fought three times. Li is the atomweight champ. Zhang Jinan is the strawweight champ. Zhang Jinan tried to go down to atomweight to beat Angela Lee, and Angela Lee beat her. Angela Lee tried to move up from atomweight to strawweight, so they both tried to be champ champs on different occasions, and Zhang Jinan shut her down. So uh, this is the third fight with Angela Lee again going up to try and become a champ champ. She lost to Zhang Jinan. Controversial fight, first of all. Kudos to her for making it out of round one. Uh, Zhang Jingnan definitely put it on her. But a lot of people have been making the case that Angela Lee should have won the title. I think she's probably the bigger name for one championship for sure. So that's why if you've been following that, their head honcho, Chachi Sityatong, uh, he's even talking about, well, the rules and you know maybe we need to take a look or whatever. I think he gets a little too involved with that because I remember a few weeks ago he was actually making a prediction of, uh, let me see, it was the kid that was the champion before, Adriano Marias. He was saying, I'm, I think he's going to knock out DJ. I'm like, bro, you can't do that. Go in there and promote the fight. But, you know, you and the broadcast team, you don't ever want people to think that your, uh, you know, your um, call of the fight is slanted in any way. So promote the fight, uh, give ways b- with both guys or gals can win, but don't ever go so far as to to give that prediction. But anyway, going back to this one, what did you think of the fight? Um, and did you also agree with a lot of people on Twitter saying that Lee should have won, or were you okay with Zhang winning the fight? I thought Lee should have won the fight. Um, going back to what you were saying about Chatri, I want to say, wasn't there one time where he even said like, we should reverse this decision or something like that. Cause it was a bad decision. They may have already done that once too. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that's a little weird, but, um, you know, what was just really heartbreaking was at the end. I don't know. One championship does a good job of, uh, the way they promote their fighters, but they did this little video where she's just walking with her daughter and her husband. And she's trying to explain to her daughter what just happened. Her face is all, bruised up and messed up. It just shows like what a difficult life this is as a mixed martial artist. On top of that, being a mother, you know, or a father, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on whether or not that's a good idea. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it just shows that she has to flip that switch right away and stop being a fighter and start being a mother. And uh, that it was interesting to see. I just don't know if we should have. To be clear, what is it you're trying to say in terms of I'm on the fence whether we should, whether you're not saying whether a mother should compete in MMA. Are you saying have the kids uh, in the vicinity um, of, of uh, yeah. combat? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's good for the kid. And I, it just has to have some effect on the fighter as well. It just has to. You have to, even if you're wondering for two seconds, what's my daughter thinking? You know, and you look away or whatever. It's a distraction. That shouldn't be there. Uh, I, I'm on the fence on that one, on whether or not that should happen or what the correct age is for that to start to happen. As I understand, as a mother or a father, eventually you would want your child to see what it is you do and kind of experience it a little bit because you never know when the last one's going to be. But in this particular case, um, you know, I think sometimes that can be a distraction. Yeah, I'd rather they not be there. Many have pulled it off and have epic, you know, videos and pics with their kids. Like Amanda Nunez has been doing that as of late. And she's won, you know. But the little girl, I don't even think, understands. I think her name is Reagan. I don't even think she understands the win or the loss. But like Max Holloway's kids, he goes to the fight. And when he was winning, it must he must have been the toast of the town. Daddy just whooped ass, but. He's been there for two times when it didn't go daddy's way. And, you know, maybe now he is old enough to understand wins and losses as well. I don't know. But on fight night, that, that's got to shake you up a little bit, man. Look at the thrill and the agony. Look how shook up grown parents are or, or parents or grown men and women associated with the fighter or even the camp themselves. 
So imagine that there's a reason why when you see a street fight at a mall or a stadium, the first thing the kid does is start crying. You know, like they, it, you know, they're fight, they're crying because the, because the fight's actually happening. They, as long as they see someone swinging at their parent, whether they're being successful or not, whether the parents getting down and winning the fight, they don't like that. They, 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 they don't like it. And I don't, I, I just don't, I think there's more cons than pros, but whatever. I also thought Lee won these three, these three fights have been pretty epic in both of them trying to do, you know, the, the champ champ status and both of them keep defending their territory. Uh, don't forget that if the weights confuse you, even though Lee's an atom weight, their hydrated weight is 115, and even though Zhang is a straw weight, her hydrated weight is 25. But don't get confused by it. They are Adam and straw weight champs. And uh, Zhang defends. I mean, it's in the books, and that's it. So not much more to really discuss there. Prime video, I dig it. I still, uh, this past weekend, I had a problem with Missy Thursday's game. Dad calls and says, where are the Chargers in Miami? I think that's who was playing on, no, Miami and Cincinnati. And as soon as he said it, goes, I thought, oh, I got to break it to him. I already knew. I don't keep track on all these contracts and announcing teams that switch back and forth and TVs. It, it really is confusing, man. But, um. I had a feeling that the minute he asked me, he had already tried ESPN, ESPN2, probably Fox, and probably the NFL Network, and it was going to be something like this. And I looked it up. Sure enough, the, the game was on Amazon Prime. And when he when I told him, he just goes, oh, you got to be kidding. <laughs> he was just so disappointed. So even though a lot of the world functions with Amazon and Prime, and that's cool, new audience. Bro, no, it doesn't get any better than just turning on your TV and watching. Yeah, especially when you when you consider what a lot of us do while we're watching fights. We're on social media, and we're going back and forth with people, and we're we're trying to see who won what round. And when you're trying to figure something out, and then all of a sudden somebody goes, "Oh my god, what a great knockout!" and you haven't even gotten to that yet, it just kind of sucks, man. Um, it's there's no way around it. That's just the way the world is going to be now. But, uh, boy, does it suck sometimes. I think the NFL especially should do Amazon and one other channel. Um, have some sort of an option. As far as one championship, I know they're trying to make the, you know, the plunge here in North America. But I, I don't know. Are advertisers really in love with whatever numbers they report? Who knows? Um, I can watch it. That's cool. But I don't know that everyone can. Whatever. Stamp Fairtex also got a win. Martin Wynn takes another loss. That's the former featherweight champ for them. Uh, and Tim Nasty. I like to call him Tim Nasty. His real name's Timofey Nasty Yukin. Uh, Nasty Yukin, yeah. He's the guy that gave uh, Eddie Alvarez a loss, by the way. Mm -hmm. So, and Eddie Alvarez, he's. Looks like he's got a home at Bellator if he wants it. By the way, that's a little side plot. Uh, any more thoughts on one one championship before we move on? Nah, just um, you know they hang around. They they put on decent cards. The Amazon deal is is pretty interesting, uh, but it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to just keep track of everything. There's just so much, especially this weekend. Yeah, I appreciate the effort for them to get on a prime time, you know, but I don't know. Uh, in other words, what I'm trying to say is it's cool, but I don't think it's it's it going to be the needle mover that it it was intended to be. I think what they want is guys like me and you to watch and we will, but it's so much easier on television. But the same applies to other sports, whatever. We move on to Saturday. Saturday night, we had a UFC followed by a Bellator. The UFC was more the earlier show, and that was the card with Jean Jonan and Mackenzie Dern at the top of the bill. But let me give you some results on the prelims. Ghost can chime in, and then after that, we'll go to the main card. Guido Canetti defeated Randy Costa. Rear naked choke. Surprisingly, by the way, because 
Costa said he was wasn't feeling the love at the big gym, so now he's training with Lazan. And all I'm thinking is, if you're with Lazan, you shouldn't be getting submitted that quick in the first round. You know, he was in his corner. He got taken out quick by the 42-year-old, 40, 40-year-old Kennedy. Good for uh, Kennedy, but bad for Costa. Chelsea Han- Chandler, sorry, defeated Julia Stolirenko. Uh, another first-round stoppage. Brandon Allen defeated Christoph Jocko. That was surprising, too. Submission. Another first-round stoppage. Uh, great call there by Dan Tom, our fight analyst at MMAJunkie.com. Joaquin Silva defeated Jesse Ronson. Queen Latifah defeated Alexi Olenek. Daniel Santos defeated John Castaneda. Any thoughts on the prelims, goes? I thought they were fun. Um, a lot of quick finishes, you know, which kind of like is weird because in a way you love it, but in another way it, it sort of slows things down uh, the card a little bit. So it takes you out of this rhythm. I, I know we sound like we, as MMA fans, we just complain and complain and complain, but it really does just kind of like throw off the rhythm of the card. And you get stuck, like, you'll change the channel, you'll start watching college football, and you forget to come back, and another fight's already underway. Or in this case, I actually missed one coming back. It had, it had ended so so soon. But, um, man, Latifi, I didn't understand really. At first, I thought he was going to retire. I guess his contract's up. I have to imagine. Uh, maybe, like, a, I don't know. If you're the UFC... He's a good fighter, but I don't know that like people go out and buy a Latifi fight kit or anything like that. So I don't know what you do there. Um, if you're the UFC, I think you're you're happy with him. He's done everything you want, but I don't know. I think that might have been the last fight we see in uh, in the UFC. And I think he was almost trying to say the exact same thing, word for word, that you just described. I think without saying, "Hey, I'm kind of boring," huh? He was saying. Look, this is my last fight on my contract. I'm not sure. Then he started tugging at his gloves, and he realized, oh, I'm strong, but I don't know if I can just rip them off because they tape them so so hard. I wish I had scissors in my hand at this time. So he's thinking it through. He's emotional. Then he's telling everyone he's got staff after being shaking Paul Felder's hand a bunch of times. He rubs his leg, goes, look, I got it here. Yeah. Um, he was all over the place. He's asking for a bonus from Zuckerberg, but this is the part that sucked, goes about this whole show that was a private show. Uh, whether it was rented out by Zuckerberg or that's what Zuckerberg wanted or not, or they're trying some stuff out with Meta, I don't know. But all I do know is there were no fans there. And in a moment like this, and you know who I thought goes it might apply to was actually Trinaldo and Alexi Olenek. I wasn't even thinking of the TV because I, I didn't know he was 40. Um, and I I just wasn't thinking of him. I, thought, I kept thinking the other two guys because they're mid-40s. When you retire, how about a round of applause from some fans? The 200 mm-hmm. that are supposed to be there, like there was no one there. But I don't know if Olenek's done or not. He should be. He really, really looks slow at times. Not that he hasn't prior to, but when you're winning a few fights, you just forget about it. But both him and Latifi look slow. They were out there plotting. You know what they look like, guys? They look like UFC security. And I don't mean that as a disrespect. But have you noticed that when they are on stage for the uh, ceremonial weigh-ins or the press conferences, and then they got to do face-offs. They got those two older gentlemen. I believe they're special forces from Australia or something like that. And they look cool. They look like badasses. I'm sure they are. That's what these two look like they could be. If you just put on a a jacket on each guy, they Mm -hmm. look like they could be security. And if I was the UFC, I'd say, hey, look, Latifi, we're not going to do that. But if you buy a house in Vegas, I want you to be part of my security team. I, I bet you, well, I don't know if you do it or not, but um, that's what Olenek and Latifi look like to me. And I just, you know, neither guy, especially uh, Olenek, he's a beast on top. But on the bottom, he just could not get out from under Latifi. And it just looked like, again, two old men fighting in the park. Um when they threw hands, it was only interesting because they were both so tired and their defense is so bad that you knew that one of those heavy hands, if it landed, someone could be in trouble. But more mm-hmm. because of the other stuff, not necessarily because, ooh, they pack a punch. It was just because they're both so sloppy and they, they didn't really cover up and they're just plodding along. So in a way, it did have some 
it was compelling to me, man. It was weird. But yeah, I don't think I can take much more of it. I thought it was fun. Um, Olenek, I think more so looked exactly like what you're describing. It's so weird because like I just turned 44, but I can move when I need to. And I don't feel like people would look at me and go, oh, my God, how old is that guy? What's he doing on the basketball court or anything like that? It's more the wear and tear that a fighter has at age 40. You know, that's what really, really can become obvious sometimes when you're watching fighters move. And Olenek just, he gives you this this feeling of you're watching him and you're like, man, I don't want anything to happen to this guy. This poor guy here. Like, why is he in there? But, uh if you look at his record overall, it's pretty good for a guy that's had that many fights. So mm-hmm. it's hard to argue. But yeah, like just the speed is the first thing that that stands out, right? Like he just looks like in between rounds, it should be rubbing Ben Gay or something on him. Like, mm-hmm. he just looks like, like he's like, ah, oh, what am I doing out here? But but uh, you can't argue with his overall record. So it's kind of weird. Latifi, I kind of enjoy. I get a kick out of him, you know, because he's just a small dude. But he's, uh, he's a little bowling ball that just backs people up against the cage or, or takes them down, and, and they just have no answer for him. But it's not exciting. It's not. It's not. But it's funny. You put two of them together, and maybe it's okay, but I don't know. Uh, I, I think the use of them is we know who they are. Have them be tested. Have them test young talent. And if they win, hey, the old guy's got some you know some tricks in his old – his bag of tricks, you know, keep him around. But the minute he gets beat, oh, well, the young guy now got over on the old guy, but he beat Olenek, but he beat Latifi. So now we know they're legit. I don't know that you just put two of these cats together like that. Um, Other than one of the traditional loser leave town matches in pro wrestling, I suppose. But that, like I say, there was times where I just thought, man, it'd be cool if he could hit the Ezekiel choke from the bottom like he did one time. But basically, Olenek's just more of the beast on top, just like most fighters are. Uh, I don't know. I I didn't absolutely hate it, but I don't think Latifi's going to get re-signed personally. Thank you for the career, your contribution to MMA. I don't want to be disrespectful and all, but I just don't think he's going to be signed. But I did. I was a little bummed out that his final fight was not in front of fans. Maybe there's something to say in my last fight was in front of Mark Zuckerberg, but who gives a shit? Like Mark Zuckerberg, credit to him for what he did. But in, in reality, um, I'd rather fight in front of some hardcore fans than Mark Zuckerberg. I, I, I'd, I'd take comfort in knowing that if Zuckerberg's that big of a fan, he's probably watching from home. Yeah, it depends, man. If he does give you that bonus, then all is forgiven. But yeah, that part does suck. If that was his last fight, um, that, that blows a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get to the main card, what'd you think of this whole Zuckerberg thing? You know, there was no media there. That's why there wasn't too much post fight coverage other than the stories, you know, we were writing from home or, or video or that that was being sent to us. But in the end, I mean, Zuckerberg was there. So was his wife. The place was empty. Um, he looked like he was going nuts and loving it as a fan, but it's not like he took his 200 best employees as a reward or anything like that, it was literally just him. Yeah, well, his wife, his wife didn't look like she was having too much fun at times. But uh, I mean, it was it was funny. It was interesting throughout the week trying to figure out what the hell was actually going on, and it plants the seeds for you never know, right? What, what could happen down the line? Um, if you look at the history of Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook and. When they like something, man, they go after it. So you never know what role they could play in something like this down the down the line. But uh, you know, kind of, I just don't understand the the whole no media thing. They could have just told them sit in the back, stay away from them, you know, but be there. Yeah, like I said, President Trump was at a UFC. They figured that out. It's not like people were, were lining up to take selfies with him. I'm sure there was, you know, he had his team of Secret Service and whatever and. Whether you whether you wanted to approach him or not, you just couldn't. Same thing they could have done here with with uh, Mark Zuckerberg, but whatever. It's what makes the sport unique in a way. Think about it. You and I have no reason being at, in Beverly Hills at the Playboy Mansion, yet we were because of MMA. So settings like that just 
uh, do do happen from time to time. If ESPN one day gets phased out and Facebook gives them a bunch of money and it's because of this, I mean, business is business, but man, I love turning on the TV when they're just on ESPN or ABC. Streaming is still a pain in the ass a little bit. I don't know. Uh, just, yeah, whatever. Whatever, we move on. Um, the bonuses goes, get this. The bonuses, there was extra ones. There was four performance of the nights, and then you have the fight of the night. So six heads, right, all together. Daniel Santos and John Castaneda, they got the fight of the night, 50000 each. Performance of the night went to Joaquin Silva, Brendan Allen, Chelsea Chandler, and Guido Canetti, all on the undercard. This is a Dan Tom special. Mm-hmm. He loves it when the, uh, the well, not younger, not in Canetti's case, but the fighters that don't get it. Well, some of them are younger. Some of them don't have as much. Um publicity some of them are just starting out in the sport aren't making as much and so this is life-changing money for them and that's what he means so i can't remember the last time i saw this like like that especially with the extra two i can't even remember a time when we saw it at all like yeah it was pretty amazing it's something that dan has always talked about that uh really you just gotta judge you gotta forget about who's who the fighters are and more about what they do. And in this case, that, that actually happened. And it was pretty cool. Yeah. No bonus from Latifi <laughs> from the UFC, nor Zuck. Well, maybe Zuckerberg wouldn't make his public. Who knows? But um, all I can say is Brendan Allen has been in our rankings before. So it's not like he's an unknown or it's not like he probably hasn't cashed a few decent checks. But other than that, I think everyone else is kind of in that same boat. Chelsea Chandler, by the way, um, she's a big gal. Like the way she was going after Stolyarenko, it just looked like what's a good comparison? Um, almost like Thunderlips going after Rocky. It was just stalking, stalking, stalking. Like I'm gonna get my hands on you, and you're gonna pay. And there's not too much you can do about it if I get my hands on you. It looked like the old cartoon when a giant's like chasing Bugs Bunny or something, you know? Yeah. Just she even had her arms out like like she just wanted to grab her and smash her or something. It was, it was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main card had Mike Davis defeating Valet Vashelslav Borschev, and Davis was surviving at the end. Now you got scores two scores of thirty twenty six, twenty nine twenty eight. Thirty twenty six is because two judges gave him a ten eight round, and. They gave him all the rounds, but there was a 29-28, which means round three, I believe, is the one well, for sure that Borshev was winning. And get this, Davis was tired. Borshev almost came back and got the W, even though he was on the end of uh, some 10-8s. But it was an interesting fight. Good for Mike Davis. Sadiq Youssef, he defeated Don Shanius. Really, really quick submission guillotine choke. 30 seconds. A much-needed finish for Sadiq Youssef. Any thoughts on either of those two fights? I like Youssef, man. I'm glad he finally got that that victory, especially in that style. It gives you a little bit more breathing room uh, in the UFC, but I like that kid, and whenever he's on a card, it it, it just gives you more incentive to watch. He, he always comes to fight. It just Things just don't always go his way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he needed that, and you could tell how much it meant to him. And as far as Mike Davis, I think he's a man. You know, he he could just wrestle straight up. He can wrestle, but his hands are nice. He, I, I think he has a future. I think he, both of them do. But Yusef, I think, took uh, a huge step in his career because I don't want to say plagued, but his career's just been defined a little bit by these decisions that he's had and time off that he's had. So now he's got a little bit of momentum. Uh, Hayoni Barcelos, who we met in the studio when Jose Aldo came to town, he was no always known as the guy in Brazil that could wrestle. He defeated Trevin Jones, 30-25, 30-27, 30-27. And he put it on him, goes not just on the ground, but on the feet too. Yeah, he was all over the place, dude. Uh, he's also a tough a tough cat. I do remember that, that uh, when he showed up with Jose Aldo. Uh, we've had, you know, 
not not to really pivot too much, but I'm sure eventually, um, I think we've talked a little bit about Jose Aldo and, and him leaving, but, uh, but yeah, uh, when you think about what he's probably done, like if you look at Jose Aldo and his takedown defense, which is something that people don't really talk about too often, but just try and think in your head, like when's the last time you saw him on his back? Like it really doesn't happen to him. Like I think Hominick, I can remember, kind of got him down for a little bit, right? Or something I'm like doing. that. Yeah. Big hematoma. But uh, yeah, I remember he w- he was the guy. Uh, it was kind of funny because they had a, the guy in the UK too that was kind of like that. Remember, I can't remember what his name was. But uh, they had one of those guys too. It's just funny where we're at now in our sport that the evolution of it now uh, now the Brazilians can wrestle, you know, now the Americans know BJJ, but uh, it's just weird how all the twists and turns, but it was a good victory. Solid. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, congrats to him. He keeps chugging along. And in the co-main event, Randy Brown defeated Francisco Trinaldo. I thought I had to adjust my TV. Franci- mm-hmm. I thought we thought Francisco Trinaldo was actually one of the bigger lightweights. I guess maybe he's just one of the thicker lightweights. Tall-wise, he's not, but he's not small either. But, boy, next to Randy Brown, it really looked like a David and Goliath fight. And um, that reach, I thought it was going to really, really pose problems. But believe it or not, Francisco Trinaldo made this a fight. Hell, I thought he was going to get his hand raised, man. But all the judges were consistent with Randy Brown winning. Randy Brown really, really dodged the bullet. Randy Brown actually, I thought, had a chance to to uh, get a nice W, probably get a bonus, get over on Trinaldo, and he's lucky to get out of there with a win, period. I think I texted you after this this one. I disagreed, too. But the weird thing was that the judges were kind of unanimous in their decision. So it's probably one where I wouldn't mind just going back and watching it. But I thought it was very, very clear the way that one went down. Yeah. Wait, it clear about what that 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 uh, Trinaldo won? No, that it should have been it should have been the other way around. That Randy Brown won. Yeah. Okay. Or no, I'm I'm confused. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm flipping things around. When I was watching it, I thought it was one one going in, and then yes. it it just everything seemed very clear. Like it wasn't like, well, who won round one? Who round one two? Everything was very very clear. Um. Sometimes in these situations, it's it's real difficult. Like a guy like Trinaldo, this might be an unpopular decision or opinion, but when you have guys that are just kind of slower or older or don't pop, I feel like they have to work even harder sometimes. You know, like Olenek is probably a good example of that. Sometimes I think those guys have to work harder for decisions. Um, but, yeah, I think we were texting back and forth on that one, and that was a weird one. Yeah. Well, Brown gets his hand raised. Good for him. But I thought this could have been a bigger day, bigger night for him in terms of his career. Um, He's not turning a corner, though. Exactly. Exactly. He's got a lot of tools, and he needs to, to, like, speed this up a little bit. But it just seems like he's as impressive when he first started, but he hasn't made that, like, second jump that some fighters have been able to do. Right. And a lot of it comes from getting a finish, or just glowing when it's your time to glow or shine or whatever you want to call it. This was it. He was co-main event on a card that will be remembered as the one that was rented out or privately held in front of Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. He could have actually done something more to stand out against the guy who's well on his way out, man. Francisco Trinaldo's, I think he's 44 and Olenek's 46 or something like that. They're both mid-40s. They're not what they used to be. You're faster than him, you know. You're 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 faster than him. You could have lit him up, and you didn't. Um, and you almost got the loss. So wake up. <laughs> I like Randy Brown, and I think he could just be further along, is what I'm trying to say. All right. Um, Jan Jonan defeated Mackenzie Dern. Wow, this was a fun fight for many reasons. For one, it went 25 minutes. Two, it went back and forth. When Mackenzie Dern was on her, you just thought, here it comes. Here comes the submission, even all the way to the end. But their gas tanks went back and forth. It seemed like both were having moments where they were starting to tire, open mouth, breathing, and then second wins and adjustments and this and that. 
Um, I thought Mackenzie Dern with her commitment to wrestling and getting the fight down, she wasn't being stubborn and she was trying to play up to her strengths. Now her wrestling's improved, but it's still not like Carla Sparza where she can count on the takedown. She misses a lot as well. Yan Jonan was very prepared in that regard. She got out of a lot of entanglements. She also made it easy for uh, Mackenzie Dern to get on her. There was one time where she had gotten away from her, but she was still within like an area where Mackenzie Dern was kind of butt scooting. Mackenzie mm-hmm. Dern gets the inside of her, or you know, the the top of her feet, kind of around the other gal's ankles, and somehow that was enough to connect to her, and boom, work to a single. And now Yang Jonan was in like a whole other pickle. I think a lot of this also had to do with the smaller cage, which benefited Mackenzie Dern. Um, but Yang Jonan, like I say, in the end, the panda, she made it happen, man. And guess what? In round five, I thought she was done because it was clear that she was up 3-1. Mackenzie Dern needed to finish, and Mackenzie Dern got her down early. And I thought, ooh, something's going to happen here. But it didn't happen. No choke, no arm bar at the end. Congrats to Jan Jonan. Uh, I even thought maybe one judge might give it a 10-8, or I thought the judges might give it a 10-8. Only one did, and that that way it would be a draw for Dern. But this was really, really a stage set up, in my opinion, for, for Dern to shine and move up into that next level, you know? Mm-hmm. And Jan Jonan stole that from her. You know what, man? I, I thought it was a clear 10-8. Um and in round five, I thought she could have been on her way of doing it again just because she got her down so early and was dominating. Uh, so when Panda reversed at the end and, and really brought it, you know, she did exactly what some fighters didn't do this weekend. I'm trying to remember what the fight was. But when she reversed, she tried to score points to make it to either pull herself out of that situation or take the round, but she was very active. She was loud. She was screaming with every shot. Um, I don't think it was the worst performance for Mackenzie Dern, but you can definitely see, like, there are things she still needs to work on a little bit. I think wrestling is one. Just uh, the way she likes to take people down are very uh, jujitsu ways of getting people down, where I think if she just kind of immersed herself a little bit in wrestling, she's just so dominant when she gets somebody down that, I think that's something that she could work on. But the cool thing would have been with Mackenzie Dern is like you have a, a champion that's just so dominant that you you want somebody to show up with a skill set that makes you go, ooh, but if she gets her down, that sort of thing. And Mackenzie brought that. But now she has to go back, not to the end of the line, but she has to take a couple steps back here. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but was I dreaming on Saturday? Didn't they announce that Jose Aldo is going to be in the UFC Hall of Fame? No. Okay. So um, I fell for that trap too. I think it was just like a thank you video, you know, because he didn't really like do it in the cage, right? He didn't announce it in the cage. So I think it was more of a thank you video. When I was watching it, I was actually distracted by something. Me too. And I was th- I was thinking, wait a minute, is this probably that Alabama Arkansas game? <laughs> and um, but I, I don't. At the end, I, I don't think they did that. I think it what just ended up happening. I think thank it was you, just, like, thank you. Yeah, I mean, no brainer. He's gonna right. Yeah, like, why not just do both? <laughs> that that would be that. That's kind of a signal of this guy's done. But there's no thinking about it. There's no committee we have to put together. There's no votes that have to come through. Don't wait for any white smoke in Rio or Vegas. He's in. Like, that's how automatic this is, that he's in. So we're going to do this tribute video to Jose and at the same time announce that he will be in the next class because that's how great he is. Now, remember, again, I was a little distracted, so I had even thought maybe they brought it up at the beginning or something. But as far as I know, I never saw anything that said Hall of Fame. It was just kind of like, some highlights and a thank you. Hmm. All right. Well, we all, no one will dispute he's not going in the Hall of Fame. I fell for it then. I think I tweeted something along the lines, which led me to believe. So th- there you go, folks. I'm often bragging about having the three TV setup where you can watch everything. I had a nice, so my godson was playing. Well, 
He's on the bench. He's not a starter this year, but uh, his team, Portland State, was playing. I call him Logan State now. Logan State was playing. They were hosting North Northern Arizona. Arkansas and Alabama were playing, and that was two undefeated teams, if I'm not mistaken. And we had a little bit of an overlap with UFC and Bellator. Just a lot of things were going on. And so sometimes one of them or the other one's on mute. But I caught that, and as soon as I heard, I think it was John Anik's voice and Jose Aldo, I go, oh, he's in the Hall of Fame. Good for them. Bravo UFC golf clap. And I think I ran to Twitter and just said something. And then as we were talking about Hione Barcelos, I was thinking, wait a minute. Why have I not seen much go up in terms of Jose Aldo and the Hall of Fame? Hold on. Was I dream? Did I did I fall asleep for a second or what? And uh, you just explained it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that was, it was a little confusing. Yeah. All right. Um. Let's see here. Next up is well, that, that was it. That was the card. We gave out all the bonuses. There is no UFC goes happening in um next weekend, so that's nice. It isn't until Alexa Grasso and Viviana uh, Araujo fight on October fifteenth that we'll have another UFC. So a rare week off, but then I think they go on quite the streak. And uh, we'll be very, very busy covering UFC cards. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we still have one card to go, Bellator. And I'll, I'll say this much, man. The main event might have slowed things down a little bit, but I, I actually had a lot of fun watching Bellator's compared to the UFC. Yeah, I did too. And I'm checking here. It's going to be every weekend, but... Thanksgiving weekend and Thanksgiving weekend, I think is holy cow, who is it? There's so much going on, man. I, my head's about to explode. But is that Jake Paul? No, it's not Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. Thanksgiving weekend is something. PFL. PFL. It's the PFL pay per view. Okay. So, yeah, there's UFC basically every weekend till the end of the year, except for Thanksgiving weekend and New Year's weekend. It's funny, goes because I was, uh, Laura was leaving right now. And I kept thinking about the what if. <laughs> if you guys had gone on that little hike, she would have got the day off. Anyway, um, yeah, we still have one more card to discuss, and here it is. It's Bell Tour 286, which took place in Strong Beach, California, home of Warren G, Snoop Dogg, and AJ McKee. By the way, fun fact, Cameron Diaz went to Long Beach Poly, the same high school as um, A.J. McGee and Willie McGinnis. Yeah. So the main card had Juan Archuleta defeating Enrique Barzola. Even though it was 30-27, I was entertained. Uh, Shout out to the Spaniard for winning this fight. I think it was closer than the score indicates. But uh, Archuleta showed, hey, man, his idea is maybe to get back in the Grand Prix as a possible substitute, even though they're already, you know, they've already moved on to the later stages. That's fine. I guess he's just letting everyone know, hey, I can be ready to go if you need me. Same thing what Aaron Pico was saying. Hey, if Borix falls out for whatever reason, put me in, coach. Um, so he's throwing it out there. But the former champ has looked better since losing the title. Yeah, that's the one thing that uh, a lot of fighters will talk about the changes they make and blah, blah, blah. But he actually went out there and did impress. Um, not every second of every round was going his way, but it just felt like every time the tide, the tide was starting to change, he would do something to counteract that. And, uh, you know, there's no way around it. If you look at the guys he trains with, it's hard not to improve, not to just get pushed all the time. And he already has a good mindset. It, everything just comes down to, I think, physical stuff with that kid. And uh, he got it together for this fight. Uh, it was a good performance for him. Definitely. And by the way, please, goes don't join the blah, blah, blah team. That blah, is blah, captain. Blah. That is captain by our dad, yeah. He's the king of blah, blah, blah? Oh. Yes. He's not only, like, the king, he rules the planet. He's oh, not, wow. like, the king of a country. The other day, he gave me four blah, blah, blahs while telling me one story. 
So he's like Elaine Bennis and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And or Max Holloway with it is what it is or Dana White with the list goes on and on or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's just hooked on that. Um, We have an aunt, you know, later, right? Yeah. She says, anywho, and now dad's using that one too. Oh, oh anywho's aren't good. I don't like those. Dad's getting soft. We got to get him out of that. I, I tried to check him yesterday. On one, I go, he, he was saying and he, he was struggling with something. And I go, blah, blah, blah. I like to finish the sentence to see if he'd catch on. But yeah, he's on an he's on a blah, blah, blah kick right now. So when mm-hmm. you just did it a second ago, I was like, oh, no, not him too. Maybe it's like one of those yawns. You know, when people yawn, I guess it's mm-hmm. contagious, they say. Jeremy Kennedy defeated Aaron Pico. So a controversial fight, yes or no. Aaron Pico's shoulder slash collarbone, but it looks like after the exam, it might be the shoulder popped out of place. That's not Jeremy Kennedy's fault. Jeremy Kennedy was out there fighting. Neither guy had established, oh, I'm on my way to beating you. No, it wasn't like that at all. They were grappling up against the cage. Aaron Pico's shoulder popped out. He survived the round, and in between rounds, his coach tried to, in many ways, pop it back in. And when he was doing it, I was like, good for coach. I think that was Gibson, right? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, like, there you go. Every coach should learn from this coach so that they know how to do, you know, different types of uh, of a recovery or, you know, addressing an injury in between rounds. I mean, I was, I was going to ask Eric Nixick, like, hey, have you learned that maneuver in case you ever need it? But then come to find out, he never really, really got it back into place and for a moment there, I thought he was maybe injuring him too because he was trying so many different ways of doing it. And Pico wanted to continue. The ref and the doctor chatted for more than enough time about the injury. It looked like the doctor was saying he shouldn't fight. He can't fight. The ref was saying, well, what do you think? And the doc was like, well, and as the doc would try to opine again, Pico was saying, I can fight, I can fight, I can fight. The mic's picking this up. The crowd's into it. And I think at that point, the, the doctor got gun shy. And so he's like, ooh, now there's a camera guy in front of me. The crowd's all over me. I'm in the LBC. This guy wants mm-hmm. to fight. What should I do? And so he's kind of looking back at the ref. The ref's like, it's your call, dog. It's on you, player. You know? So that whole thing's happening. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. Um, I'm trying to read lips to see if maybe he's going to tell him, look, you got 30 seconds or one minute to show me something. Otherwise, uh, the ref will start, you know, I'm trying to see if that's what's in play or what's in play. And then finally the referee just waved it off. And that was that. And that was probably the right call. Now, then Josh Thompson and big John McCarthy have a discussion. The two, um, co-hosts of weighing in. They, you know, Thompson was like, let him fight. It's just his shoulder. You know, he can pop it back in. But then John McCarthy's like, well, we don't worry about that. We worry about keeping fighters safe. And guess what? It looks like it's his collarbone. Josh then relented and go, if it's his collarbone, then yeah, he's done. So there's a little bit of the whole, that's what what we do. We're fighters, tough guy act, you know, whatever. And, but fighting compromised, I don't know that it's ever a good idea. Yeah. Especially, especially in a fight where nothing's been established and you can just run it back. Yeah, and especially with a guy like Aaron Pico that, you know, he didn't really start his career off too well the way a lot of people anticipated. And uh, for something really bad to happen, just because you want to try and be a tough guy, doesn't make too much sense. Now, you might have to explain this to me. I might be a complete moron, but when his shoulder pops out, and by the way, it was very clear what his coach was trying to do. It's not like he was trying to hide anything. Sometimes when it's like a finger, you know, everybody kind of crowds around. They just try and pop that thing back in. This was like very, very obvious what he was doing. So if the doctor is okay, if the commission's okay with him trying to put that shoulder back in, uh, because, you know, when that happens, when it's a shoulder, as soon as it goes back in, you feel, you feel fine. You can still fight. Um, at that point, if you're okay with it, then why not just have the doctor do it? Wouldn't that make much more sense? I don't know that the doctor's there to do that, though. I know, but if they're okay with that happening, then why yeah. not have a professional do it at that point? 
Sure. Yeah. As long as the doctor doesn't play the card. Well, yeah, I'm only here to oversee the event. I don't want to get sued, you know, because right, everyone, every, everyone just doesn't want to get sued. And but if they were willing to do it, sure. You know, like some smaller show like you used to hear about back in the days, you know, back in the day in Iowa, man, this happened and you just believe it. Right. Because everyone's just kind of mm-hmm. figuring it out. Um, But. I don't know. I, I was reading some articles where doctors were giving their opinions to not do what Brandon Gibson did. Uh, some were saying that there's another te- technique to it, or you just don't do it at all. You could be making it worse. You know, I, I, labrum injuries are pretty serious. That's like tearing an Achilles yeah. heel or an ACL. Like you're literally out for a year and require surgery. Um, and like I say, no shame because even like the guy's going to get paid. He's just, I don't know how Bellator works in terms of like win and lose. By the way, we published the salary, so I guess I could take a look there. But um, you know, they're going to take care of their injury. They can rebook you, I suppose, quickly. But uh, yeah, you don't want to injure the guy worse than it is. And even though he wants to fight at that moment, and he stated that he does long term. Think long term. What were you really going to go out there and do? I mean, Gilbert Melendez, his shoulder would kind of pop. Remember how it would kind of be bony and sticking out? But he could fight through it, and he fought through it, and he used to, and he won a lot of big fights doing it. This was different though, because when he asked him to raise his arm, he could only do it so much. You could just tell he was very, very compromised at that point. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it ended in the best way it could have. Mm-hmm. They could just run it back, you know. Simple as that. AJ McKee and Scott Carlisle goes. These two were shot out of cannons. I mean, that first 30 seconds was crazy. And I told this to Scott, to Spike Carlisle in the interview that we had with him. I wanted to make sure he didn't take it wrong. I know he fades and I I know he looks tired, but he's still a beast. You still can't do what you want to do to a guy that's tired. And I think he just goes out there at such a pace. It would be ridiculous for him not to be gas tired slowing down or whatever however however it is you want to call it but i'm telling you man that guy can that guy can put on a show he's got the alpha ginger thing going on him and mckee were fun to watch spike carlisle i think made a lot more fans than a loss he went out there now here's the thing you know if you're in his corner one of his good friends Manil darius good friend of a show you're probably losing your mind I could see them saying, hey, we want to go out there and be aggressive to start, but not sloppy. And at, at a lot of points, he just became super sloppy with his attack. And uh, I think he paid for it. You know, that's the type of fighter that AJ McKee is. But uh, it still was very fun. And there were times where throughout the fight, he would just kind of flip the script for a couple seconds. And it would lead you to believe, you know, does he have a shot here? But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, he was he was bloodied, he was bruised. Uh, he took some from from AJ McKee, but it was interesting to see AJ McKee for the first time there at lightweight, and and hear him talk about how how he felt pretty damn good there. So he proved it. Spike Carlisle is a tough guy. Yeah, he says he'll go back to fight for the title only at forty five, but it looks like fifty five is the future. And with that Grand Prix that it appears is headed our way he wants to be a part of that remember he cashed the check for a milli recently mm-hmm. about a year ago i think he wants another one of those plus a shot at winning a second title but make no mistake it's one one versus pitbull that fight has to happen at some point now pitbull is he's saying hey have you seen me recently i mean you think i mean borix and him kind of look like trinaldo and brown in a way although he won but He's saying I could drop the bantamweight and make some noise down there and become the first person to win me uh, three titles, three major titles, you know, in this whole world of UFC, Pride, Strikeforce, WEC, those major promotions. No one's ever won three. Closest I've ever seen is, I guess, if you want to give credit to Dan Henderson for the Ring of Rings, uh, King of Kings, whatever, um, King of Kings at Rings, that was open weight. That's pretty impressive. Then he won the Strike Force Light Heavyweight title. That's 205. But he also won a UFC tournament in the early days when they didn't have a middleweight division. That's probably mm-hmm. the closest. And I'm patching things up there. And it's my favorite fighter, right? So 
obviously I'm in his corner for this, for this argument, but I don't think anyone's ever won three major titles like that. He wants to be the first. So he's heading the Bantamweight. The other guy's happy at lightweight. So pay them a lot of money. And I bet you they would meet at featherweight for the trilogy. But for now, it looks like they're headed in different directions. Yeah. And the further, you know, like Grand Prix don't happen overnight. They take time and you got to, you got to do that third fight. But uh, I have to imagine everything's laid out for AJ McKee to be in that lightweight Grand Prix. Yeah. How could you not? I mean, he's one of your best fighters and one of your, one of your most popular fighters. So for now, if you're not going to do the trilogy, especially because the other guy wants to go in the other direction, then this is the best call. Mm-hmm. In the main event, Patricio Pitbull Frady defended his title versus Adam Borks. This fight disappointed me a little bit, goes because I just thought, um, well, for one, because <laughs> Carlisle and, and McKee had gone right before, and that thing was a barn burner. But... Um, this fight was just slower, more methodical. Pitbull Frady was kind of saying, hey, look, I'm not just going to go out there and, and get in a street fight either. A bar brawl is what he called it in, in, in uh, Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Coach Eric translated that. He said, I'm out there. I have techniques. I'm trying not to get hit. I'm trying to, you know, create damage but not take it. And he did, goes. And guess what? He doesn't have to prove anything to anyone. Because he has done that before where he goes out there and just swings or goes for submission. He's had titles. He's won titles. He's won tournaments. He's defended his title many times. He's won different weight classes. He's beaten McKee, Chandler. So he's beaten. He's got names. You can't even say, like, well, who's he beaten? He's beaten quality. He's kind of done a lot. He might be the GOAT over at Bellator. So I I totally give him a pass. He did not deserve to get booed. He may have been getting booed, honestly, because it's AJ McKee's backyard. But he was very impressive, to tell you the truth, in a way that I didn't expect against Adam Bork's um, well-timed takedowns. Remember, he was giving up a lot in reach. Yeah, I was a little disappointed in the fight as well. But it was kind of on everybody's end. You know, like, I thought Bork could have done a little bit more. Right. Um, because you could just tell that Pipple sort of had his number early on. So you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone and, and maybe take a little bit more risk. And I don't feel like Borch did that. So, uh, but Pipple fought a smart fight and he's entitled to that because he's had other fights go the other way, you know, where he has been a little reckless at times. It was a really smart performance for him. So, and, and it kind of just reestablishes, like you said, he might actually be the GOAT of Bellator. So um, he acted like it that night. Yeah. Did I say GOAT of MMA or GOAT of Bellator? Bellator. Yeah, yeah, Bellator. Um, Borix had 25 minutes to adjust. So you could tell he wanted a counter. And Pitbull just wasn't playing that game. But at some point, when you're losing rounds... I think you got to do a lot more. Now, good. Look, good for him. One judge had it 48, 47. Still for Pitbull, but he got two rounds. But he also got blanked on the other guys. I think one guy had a 50, 45. The other one, 49, 40. He, what he did is not the way you go out and win a title, especially when you know it's going to a decision. And especially when there should be urgency. There should be more urgency, and there wasn't. You could see the look of disappointment. But this guy sold me goods. This guy sold me a bill of goods that he was going out there to win the title, take it back to Hungary. Put hungry on the map, maybe defending hungry. I was like, yeah, I, I think you're gonna do it. I think you're catching Pitbull at a time where he's maybe possibly declining. Who knows? But you're taller, faster, stronger, all that stuff. And it wasn't on display. Yeah. Uh, he's a good fighter. It just I don't know. Something was off that night. Yeah. Well, sometimes when you have a lot of those flying knee videos or whatever, like you know, there's nothing like having just good boxing offensive especially in mma with four ounce gloves when you need it and mm-hmm. if you counter you counter but i found him you know what he reminded me of was the old george masvidal where mm-hmm. he had really really slick techniques with his hands but a lot of it was based off you know countering and then you're hoping they give you a decision but even then this this guy just i don't know i think i think no one will be more disappointed than him 
Patricio Pitbull Freddy now what's he up to like maybe like eight title defenses eight, three title runs it's really really impressive what he's done congrats to him and the team over at fight ready in brazil whatever they're called pitbull mma they they all gathered for a picture there him costa his brother paulo costa by the way um henry cejudo and uh eric had said that's the first time all of them have been together in like three years probably a lot of it probably had to do with the pandemic but mm-hmm. um yeah that was a pretty impressive group that they've had and an impressive group of uh, impressive run that they've had in the last five years. I'm happy for coach Eric. Me too. Yeah. He was almost like a no name and uh, between Cejudo's run and the Pitbull brothers run and, and, you know, being there at the side of Costa and he's become a pretty decent translator as well. Anyway, folks, uh, sorry, we couldn't get to some of the other news, but uh, we had a lot to cover in terms of, all these events that took place and it was really, really a fun weekend, man, between soccer being back. Yeah. Yeah. I know we got waxed and uh, all the football that's out there, you know, plus covering these events. It was huge. Go to MMA junkies front page and you'll see different stories that you can uh, follow up on. Aaron Pico gives his side of the shoulder injury. Jake Paul teases a move. MMA, Jake Paul, don't do it. You're doing fine in boxing, calling your own shots. Hell, I think you even extended, you know, you overreached with Anderson Silva. I think you're going to get something there that you're not going to like. But MMA, man, no, don't do it. Go join your brother in WWE, I think. You're already making a lot of money. Don't don't come to MMA. It is not going to go well for you. And um, so, yeah, come to MMA Junkie. Check it out. Check out our our app it's free on tablets and mobile phones and check out our socials especially youtube where goes and i you catch us every week on spinning backlick youtube.com forward slash ma junkie video and for now we're out of here this is show number 3299 next time we're with you it'll be show number 3300 thank you as always for your support go out and be a champion